0: uh sorry about that and having some camera issues welcome back to stevie's tech talk this is season one episode 17 well, that's right we're just gonna keep season one going for a while uh i got uh, a lot of uh, really great feedback on my on my shows uh that i've dropped so far the episodes i've dropped so far i'm really really pleased about that um so thank you all for watching it um some people told me that uh, I need to have a call to action. I need to tell you to subscribe. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm pretty sick of videos asking me to subscribe uh, because uh, it's just it's, it's everywhere. Uh, and you would think that if somebody liked your video, they would just know that they should subscribe to it because it supports the uh, person who created the video. That's what you would think. So of course, I'm not going to ask everybody to subscribe. Uh, so anyway, with that, on to the show. So one of the questions that came up a lot, uh, it was really interesting. I wasn't, wasn't expecting this, uh, but it's a great question. It's, uh, Hey Steve, uh, you know, back in your blogging days, you said that Google did everything right and Amazon did everything wrong. And then in your show, you make it sound like Google does everything wrong and Amazon does everything right. And so like, that sounds kind of backwards. And can you explain a little bit? And, you know, I think that's a great question. Uh, you know, maybe even I had a little bit of cogn- cognitive dissonance because it took me a little while to sort of tease apart my thinking there. Uh, so anyway, I figured I'd spend this episode just kind of telling you guys about Google and and a little bit about Amazon. I've told you a lot about Amazon. Uh, Amazon's better these days. You know, I've been to their corporate offices. I've been in their conference rooms and, you know, seen seen where they work. And, you know, it's, it's you know, snazzy and, and you know, kind of hip. Uh, and they, they put a little bit more money into their, their external appearance now and the engineers, I think work in slightly better conditions than they used to and and everything. Uh, it's, it's not bad at all. Uh, but that's, you know, you got to understand that's really a superficial difference and I'm going to start by talking about superficial differences and then we'll go into the deeper differences and, and then we'll, we'll talk about, um, maybe, you know, uh, who, who's is better, who wore it better. So, all right. So like for starters, I'm just going to, I'm going to share a story with you to kind of like get you primed on, on this, uh, this topic of Amazon versus Google by comparing Google to Facebook. All right. Now, this is a very specific half a day, you know, experience and it happened in, uh, probably about 10 years ago. Um, uh, I, was, uh, I was on this project at Google, Grok, uh, which, you know, maybe I'll talk more about sometime. If you want to watch like an actual tech talk about it, I gave one at Stanford uh, and it's on YouTube and uh, you can learn about the, the boring technical details. Uh, but it was a really cool project. It was a cool project. But, and, and a lot of, uh, you know, computer science professors working at Google, like they left the university, their tenured position, and they came to Google. You know, they told me ah, it would never work. It would never work. It couldn't work. Uh, I was wasting my time, and uh, because what I was trying to do was was just super super ambitious, and you know I mean, but the thing is, Google is a place that encourages you to be really ambitious, and uh, and I did make it work, and and some of them came to me later and said I've I've never been happier to have been wrong, and uh, so that was that was somewhat gratifying. But during that project, there were politics. Uh, because, uh, you know, there was a time at Google when you could pretty much work on whatever you wanted that you thought would be good for Google or good for customers. And, uh, and we were sort of at the tail end of that time when they were starting to try to corral people into, you know, everybody works on cloud or whatever. And, uh, and we knew that our project was important. I mean, you spend three, four people, you know, improving the productivity of 50,000 engineers by 5%. Uh, that's, that's the math there is, is, pretty obvious to me. Uh, but it wasn't to my director, uh, who I worked for and, uh, and he was trying to get the project shut down and it got really bad. And maybe I can tell that story in more detail someday. Cause I actually wound up not meeting with him except with an HR rep present, same with the rest of the team. And, uh, we just, we just didn't see eye to eye on this. He wasn't a bad guy. Just, just, we didn't really see eye to eye on this at all. And we wanted to launch it. And he was kind of famous for, um, he had already had a reputation for, for firing people uh, who disagreed with him. Give him a generous severance package and bye-bye. And so I was like, oh man, I might have to leave Google, right, you know, this is, uh, it was pretty intense. It was pretty stressful, right? Because I was, I was, you know, really adamant that I wanted to get Grok done. And uh, he was really adamant that we had to shut it down. And um, so I decided to go interview. Uh, cause that's what you should do if you think your job might be at risk is start, you know, surveying the field. And, uh, and you know, I, I, so I, I went to, I went to a, a couple different places and kind of, you know, sent feelers out, but, but faith, the Facebook interview was one that I wanted to talk about, uh, and, and uh, and kind of, kind just to, to kind of highlight and contrast, um, just how different Google was before we get into the actual, you know, blow by blow comparison of Amazon and Google. So, uh, so I fly down to Mountain View uh, and, you know, they set me up for interviews at Facebook. And um, at the time, Facebook was in the Stanford Hospital building. So like they were on the Stanford campus, which is in Palo Alto, California, which is the heart of Silicon Valley. It's where all the richest, richest people live. Like it's where Steve Jobs's house would have been. And uh you know, it's uh, uh, it's Stanford is the most expensive part of Palo Alto, Alto and uh, and, and 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 so it was just insane. I mean, it's a beautiful campus, but but to have your your headquarters, your 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 company located on the campus, um, in a, in an old building that looked like an old '70s you know bank or something, it was it was just this big box. Uh, uh, was just, just baffling to me because, yeah, I mean, I can understand wanting to be in a nice place, but there was no parking to speak of and, and and getting there was problematic and nobody could afford to live there except for Zuckerberg. But it turned out his house was across the street and that was more important than all of his employees' convenience. And so, um, you know, that was my first impression of, of, of Facebook was, hey, uh, boy, they, it's really oriented around Zuck, literally, so that he can walk across the street. Okay, fine. So I show up for my interview in the morning. I'm a little bit early, and uh, um, you know, so I go into the to the building and kind of you know register at the the front desk. It's a crummy little tiny at the time. You know, it was a little just a you know, as big as a bedroom. I mean, the 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 lobby, right? just a couple of chairs and it was kind of grimy. And there was a, a woman sitting at this this desk and she was like, hey, yeah, sign in here. You got an interview. They'll be with you, you know, in, in 20 minutes or half hour or whatever it was. I'm like, OK. And so I'm sitting there and, you know, I had been flying and, uh, you know, I, I hadn't slept in weeks. I mean, like I was incredibly sleep deprived, you know, I'm not proud of that, and I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, that's good. I mean, I was stressed because I thought I was going to lose my job, and we, we had an ultimatum. I mean, we brought in a VP to arbitrate with this director, and the VP said, if you can launch C++ support by the end of the year, then you can continue doing the project. And the director agreed to these terms because he didn't think we would be able to do it. Of course, we launched C++ and Python concurrently at the end of the year, and it was a huge hit, and, of course, the, the project wanted to be the most loved tool at Google. And, um, and, uh, the director got shipped off to, uh, uh, far, far away. Uh, but, um, but you know, before then I was like working, you know, a hundred, 105 hours a week and, uh, and I, I wasn't getting any sleep and I was miserable. Don't go to an interview when you're sleep deprived. Okay. My, my biggest takeaway from this talk is make sure you are well rested because your mind will just do, and your mouth will say the dumbest things. I didn't do well in the Facebook interviews. Uh, but it didn't matter as you will see. So, uh, 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 I get there and I'm, I'm thirsty and I said to her and I, and there was a door like, was the front door when I came in and it was a really narrow lobby and like, you know, 10, 10 feet in front of me was another door that led into the the Facebook work area, which was, it looked exactly like those pictures you see of, you know, sweatshops in Asia where women have sewing machines. It's always women. And uh, they're they're piled, you know, clothes piled up to the ceiling and they're all working there to take the clothes away and put engineers in and that's what it looked like. It was just completely open plan, uh, tables, you know, uh, it looked like they were working inside of a basketball court and, uh, and I was, and I could see a, 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 coffee machine inside and I could see, I mean, just a cheapo, you know, uh, drip coffee machine. And I could see a, uh, um, a, uh, a, like a sparklets water, you know, station and I was still so thirsty and I was also tired and I needed some coffee. And I'm like, I said to the woman at the desk, I said, Hey, you know, uh, do you, do you think I could get like a, like a coffee? And she thinks about it, and she looks, and there's a security guard standing at the door, or two security guards. And she kind of looks at him, kind of scared, and she's like, I, I, "I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think we can go in there." I'm like, "Okay, what? Can I get some water?" And she's like, uh, and she looks, you know, and you can you can see the water's ten feet away, and she's like, I, "I don't think, I don't think we can." But there's a Starbucks right down the road, and I'm like, "Okay, all right, uh, yeah, so I'll 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 be back. I'm gonna go to Starbucks." so i drove down the road on stanford's campus beautiful campus and got to starbucks and you know ordered a ordered a drink and came back and and had my coffee right and waited for my interview to start uh i did think it was a little weird that they wouldn't give me any coffee and, or even water uh, because at google when you interview people you ensure that they have a very 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 good experience like from beginning to end no matter how badly you do in your interviews so so I was like whatever whatever let's just get these interviews out of the way right so I go in and you know they lead me back and um, eventually did give me some water when I was inside uh, and uh, and I got interviewed by uh, five I think or six consecutive twenty three year old Caucasian male interviewers who all uh, were like like just like it was like they were all on coke. Uh, just completely wired up, and they were like, reverse link list, you know, how do you design a file system? And there's just all, you know, all these, you know, standard, bog standard, you know, old, old school chestnut computer science interview questions. And uh, uh, it was weird, because they're all clones of each other. And uh, and they were asking me questions that had been banned at Google because they were too common. And it was, the whole thing was a little, uh, but, you know, whatever. You know, it was an, it was an interview. Uh, and there was no food or anything. And then, you know, and then they sent me on my way and, uh, and I was like, man, boy, that was, that was grueling. Cause it, you know, the whole thing took, uh, you know, probably four hours. Uh, and so, uh, so I was ready to take a break. So I drove across town, uh, over to uh, mountain view, which is, you know, like 10, 15 minute drive away uh, to Google's corporate headquarters in mountain view, California. You know where I'd spent a lot of time before, uh, and and you go there to sort of recharge. Because one of the thing, one of the many many things that Google does right, that Amazon did wrong, at least at the time that I left Amazon, was that your badge, your Google badge, employee badge, would get you into any Google facility that wasn't like a secure data center, but basically any corporate office around the world. And I can't tell you how many times my wife and I would be in, you know, uh, on vacation. We'd be in, you know, some random place, you know, Montreal, right? You know, we'd be. in... Copenhagen, and, and we would just go into the office and we would uh, uh, recharge, you know, go to the snack station, you know, and uh, sit in the air conditioning and um, uh, just chill a little bit, right? One of the many, many, many perks of working for Google is that you basically got pit stops all around the world. And the biggest, you know, great granddaddy pit stop is the, is the corporate headquarters in, in Silicon Valley. So after my interview with Facebook, I drove across town and and I was uh, and, and and I went in and I was like, all right, time to, and I st- and and I drove up and parked my car in their in their big spacious underground parking garage, and uh, you know I went upstairs, and it was like it was I swear it was like. All right. And just can't, you know, mouth open, can't believe their eyes. Right. Because first of all, and I'll tell you more about this in a little while. Google's campuses are all very, very, very fancy. Okay. Just, just day to day. I mean, like that's the, the environment that you're in is like really like nowhere else on earth that I'm aware of. And uh, and it's because Google is rolling in money. I mean, Google Google's profit margins are much much higher than Amazon's. And Google's just loaded with money. So, and they and they turn around and they and they spend it on on uh, on everything, as you'll see, to make lives better for their employees. And so uh, so I go, and I and I walk into one of the buildings. I think it was forty three, and uh, and there's a huge Santa's workshop. I mean, just imagine a giant gingerbread house, you know, with candy canes, because and, and, it was around Christmas time, and uh, and there was a Santa Claus, and there was a line of parents with their kids, you know, Google employees with their with all their kids to come see Santa, and 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 so it was just packed, and I was looking around, and they were like all of these people dressed up as elves, as holiday elves. You can imagine how that looks, and they were carrying trays of of champagne and, you know, little little chocolates and hors d'oeuvres and stuff and they'd come up and you know, an elf would come up to you and go, hey, do you want some champagne? And I'm like, sure, you know, so I take some champagne and and so I kind of moseyed over to my favorite, you know, smoothie bar. Uh, you know, Google's main campus had, had, at the time had like 46, you know, gourmet restaurants, you know, with chefs that they had flown in from around the world to take jobs at Google. And so you could get any kind of cuisine you wanted, and it was all free, free, free. And um, uh, so I went to the smoothie bar called Slice, and um, and you know got a smoothie. But I walked in, and there was like a full like jazz band in tuxedos with acoustic instruments playing like holiday music. You know, and, so I, and I got my smoothie and I had my champagne and I was sitting there just watching the bustle and the, and the happy employees and people and you know look out across the courtyard to stand the, the T-Rex skeleton with the pink flamingos and people playing volleyball and a big barbecue out there. And I was like, what are you thinking? You, you, you're going to have to drag you off of this campus to get you to leave Google. I mean, really, they're going to have to fire you. That was my takeaway. It was like just the, the stark contrast between Facebook not wanting to give an interview candidate a cup of water, okay, versus, versus Google just, just over the top, just completely over the top. I mean, you just, as a place to work, it's, it's unparalleled. I, I can't imagine that there's any, anywhere else that has the money and, and the, you know, the sort of generosity to, 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 to create an environment like that. So there's your story, and, and, and we'll kick that off. Let, let me just start by saying, you know, all this, you know, this comparison is, you know, 15 years out of date. And, uh, and with that said, uh, you know, companies change very slowly. If a company's, you know, core values include frugality, like Amazon's do, then, you know, then that's going to come through. Uh, and you're going to, you're going to, it's not going to change, you know, 20 years later. You'll find after 10 years and after 20 years and after 30 years, they're still frugal. And if a company's core value is to be generous, uh, as as Google's is, they never really stated it that way, but they clearly were, as one of their values, then that's going to come through in all the details, right? So let's go through some of those details. So yeah, this was from, this comparison's from 2005. Google only got better, uh, you know, richer and nicer for the, you know, for the following 12 years that I worked for them and, uh, and Amazon got a little bit nicer too, you know, no question. But Google had such a head start, just a a phenomenal head start and I'll talk about why they did it and the sort of pros and cons, but let's, let's talk, let's get through the actual comparison because I, I kind of hinted at this when I did that blog post way back when that I would do a spreadsheet. And so I'll just do some, some comparison points off the top of my head and I'm going to miss a bunch. Uh, but if this is a really exciting topic and people want to hear more, then I can, I can like do some homework and, and get even more comparison points. But let's compare Amazon and Google. We've compared Facebook and Google. <laughs> Facebook didn't have any elves. Um, so I'm going to start with the superficial stuff and it really is superficial, you know, things like the facilities and you know, the perks and things like that. And then we'll move on to the technical stuff, but I'll do it in a way that, you know, I think, I think should make sense to everybody. Um, so So uh, at Google, um, Google's facilities are a sight to behold. I mean, just get a tour. Get a friend of a friend, somebody to take you to to your nearest Google campus because there's probably one near you if you're anywhere near, you know, uh, the tech industry. I mean, if you're in Bangalore, or Hyderabad, India, there's a Google facility near you, and it's probably real nice. Haven't been to those two yet, and uh, and get the tour because it's it's really over the top. I mean, just like in our little little Kirkland office, um, you know, we had uh, at the time that I left. I mean. Uh, I can't even can't even begin to enumerate it all. Right, there's a huge, really nice gym, you know, and you know uh, fire pits and volleyball courts and and all that stuff outside. And there were you know there was a climbing wall, you know, complete with safety gear. And there was there was a golf simulator down in the garage. And they installed this amazing squash court. And there was a really big basketball court. And and, uh, there was uh, well not really big, but it was pretty cool that they had a basketball court. And, uh, you know, all these like, you know, brew your own coffee stations. And uh, there was, uh, I mean, help me out here. You commenters can probably like talk about some of the stuff. I mean, some of it was just kind of gratuitous. Like there there was a boat theme. And so they had these two boats that you could sit in. They, they like they one day a crane showed up and hoisted these two, you know, pretty boats up to the second floor. Uh, you know, when we started the office, it was all Costco furniture and then we upgraded to IKEA furniture after we got a little bigger, like a hundred people. And then once we got to a thousand plus, it was like all restoration hardware. Like we're talking about leather, you know, aviation chairs everywhere and those five thousand dollar massage chairs. And oh uh once uh you know we had a we had a little piano. A digital piano that uh that people would play and there was there was every friday there was like a jam session with all the musicians at google and there were a lot of musicians in the kirkland office who would get together and just like they would just jam or they would do solo performances or whatever it was, it was fun way to unwind on fridays and uh and so i asked you know i've told the story in my blogs apologies if you heard it but i asked uh one of the facility people i was like hey could we get like a little guitar you know just an acoustic guitar to just kind of go along with the piano. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll look into it. And a month went by, and I was really sad because no guitar materialized. And I was like, oh man, you know. So finally, I reached out and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the one that asked for that guitar because I was thinking, you know, three hundred dollars would get you, you know, a playable acoustic guitar. And so, you know, I, I asked about it, and, and she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, the guitar. She says, we had a meeting with the directors about it, and um, and we decided that the best thing to do would be to open a music studio and be kind of a music theme in Kirkland. And so, so they opened a studio that had a soundproofed room with, like, a drum set and a jam hub that you could plug into so that you could all play with headphones on and not disturb people. And they had a, an acoustic room with acoustic instruments, and they had an electric room with electric guitar and basses, and they had, uh, you know, another keyboard in there, and they had all the, all this, you know, the amps and everything. And it was just, it was huge. And th- that was their response to me asking for a guitar. Uh... I mean, I've begun to forget, actually, you know, just how much stuff there was. But in almost every building, there would be some really amazing thing. And if you go back into the engineer's, you know, work areas, I mean, there would be, like, hidden walls that would open up into an arcade filled with games or or into a speakeasy filled with alcohol. And you could just go and drink all you want, you know, which I wouldn't recommend doing, but, you know. Uh, it was there, and and another hidden room with a wall that slides back, and there's Xboxes and Playstations and Switches and stuff, and I mean, it just like it just went on and on and on. I mean, like you couldn't, you could hardly show people everything during the tour. That's how crazy it was. And in Mountain View, you know, where the headquarters was, it was really over the top. I mean, when they moved into the headquarters, they had promised everybody, promised that we're going to get a swimming pool. And then they found out they couldn't put in a pool because there was an underground parking garage and so but they had promised and so they put in one of those you know single person pools the way the wave pools or whatever they're called I don't know what they're called the ones that uh, they go forever they, there's a current in them and you can just sit there and swim but because of state law they had to have a lifeguard there so <laughs> as you're well aware if you're in Google uh, if you've been to the Google headquarters in Silicon Valley there's a lifeguard guard who just sits there because obviously um, not that many people actually use the pool all day long. Uh, and, uh, you know, the mountain view, the mountain view one just had so much stuff. I mean, uh, it's, it, it was just ridiculous. So, and, and then there was the food, right? The food at Google was just like, uh, it was just silly. It was silly. I mean, you could eat, you'd get, you know, you could get any kind of cuisine that you wanted and you could just go and, you know, every day it was like, there was like a food court and, you know, there'd be multiple restaurants and multiple places to eat at all the remote centers. I went to the New York office quite a bit. And the New York one was really impressive too. And they had like visiting gourmet chefs because there's lots of those in New York and they would come in and some of them would just work full time and open a restaurant at Google. I mean, it's really kind of hard to explain how over the top Google is in the facilities. And, and again, keep in mind that I'm just talking about superficial differences to, to Amazon, right? Cause when I left Amazon, it was, it was pretty, it wasn't the dingy, filthy den that we had started in. It was, you know, better, uh, but it was very dry corporate, um, Boring, sterile, and um, and uh, you know, kind of uninteresting. Uh, whereas Google, you know, was a place that you kind of wanted to hang out. So you know, it really was brain in a jar, you know, material. They just wanted you to be comfortable. They want you to be comfortable at Google. They want you to have everything you need. So we'll start getting into the less superficial differences now. Um, one of the things that I noticed about Google when I first got there was they gave you really good equipment. They gave you a really nice, fully loaded, you know, um, Linux machine, you know, like a, a, a desktop, you know, PC uh, for for your workstation, and they gave you a really nice high-end uh, Mac, you know, laptop, a MacBook. And uh, you know, the recruiter told me, you know, the the what the the philosophy is: if you, as an engineer, need something to get your job done, then you just get it and you just you just put it in and they send it to you. And a lot of the stuff they had, you know, on campus. They had these things called tech stops. They had Google has tech stops. So tech stop is a, it's a place that where that you go to get help with your computer or you get supplies like you need an extra power supply, maybe one for work, one for home or you need some ergonomic equipment, a fancy keyboard, you need some speakers, anything, anything, right? They have huge racks of self-serve, you know, get your own connectors and adapters and cables and things like that. And, and there's people there who will help you and, and uh, where at Amazon at the same time, like 2005 when I left Amazon, there was one woman who was overworked and she sat at this grimy desk and her job was to sit there and say, no, no, you can't have any of that stuff. You can have this crummy IBM ThinkPad and, uh, you know, go put Linux on it yourself. And uh, and it was just uh, just just I was, the tech stops were just like wow that's that's cool as an engineer I no longer have to spend you know five percent of my time on uh, on ridiculous you know uh, uh, cabling and stuff right and if I have a problem with my computer somebody will diagnose it for me and all that stuff so so that was cool uh, you know what else um, you know I could talk I could talk more about that but let's let's move on um, Google had a single code base. All of the source code for Google, a billion lines, you know, uh, when I got there, and it was, it was way more than that now, uh, was all in one big source tree. And you could, so every arm of the company, if you wanted to go, if you wanted to go fix a bug in Gmail, then you would just go to the, you know, into the Gmail directory and look at their source code and spin up an instance of it and, and play with it and debug it and then submit the fix to them. And, and uh, you know, maybe they'd, they'd take it. Whereas, you know, all the ex-Microsoft people, you know, told me that the situation was just like it was at Amazon. Teams didn't have, there was no big centralized uh, source code repo, and and often you couldn't see each other's code. I mean, like at Microsoft, it was all a battle in business units, share nothing. And, you know, there's pros and cons to the share nothing approach, uh, certainly um you know share nothing can allow them sort of to operate a little bit more efficiently because they're not tied they're not tied in any way to other arms of the business. but but I mean, really, when it comes down to it, if you can make uh, share everything work, so that everybody's sharing all of the you know code resources and the same build system and the same uh, bug reporting system and the same uh, you know continuous deployment and testing systems and 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 so on and so on and so on. Then uh, then if you can make it work because that's the only really down real downside is it's hard to make this work. But Google had made it work, and back at Amazon I knew that it wasn't working that way because when I was in the customer service tools team, you know we needed to go and modify other people's systems and we. couldn't get permissions and it was really hard and they all worked differently and there was no uniform way to like run a service we needed to modify other people's systems to to, to add observability right to be able to say if one customer says where's my stuff we can actually go into the distribution center software or the the retail software or wherever the wherever their order is and um surface more information so that we can tell the customer more detail about what's going on and it was really really hard and at google all of the source code was all just right there. Uh, and that's pretty remarkable. And I could definitely talk more about their big source tree, uh, but that's maybe for another episode. Uh, But it was one of those things where it was just like, wow. And then, you know, another thing was Amazon spent a long time screwing around with really bad RPC protocols, meaning how computers talk to each other, right, and how they can send messages back and forth. And, you know, at the time that I left Amazon in 2005, they were still using CORBA like heavily, which is this really ancient, awful Terrible RPC technology, and it was terrible specifically because uh, it was completely inflexible and, and, and rigid So anytime you changed it all of the clients all of the teams that were using your pro, your your RPC had to uh, Rebuild and and potentially, uh, you know break because you had added a field, you know You're like, oh, we also need the customers hair color So add that in and all of a sudden I was like no, I got to redeploy your service again, and it was terrible I came to Google and they had built their own RPC system called, uh, well, it's gRPC externally. I think it was stubby internally. Yeah, stubby. I mean, I, I, it's protocol buffers, right? It's, it's really, it's the combination of the two. Um, I'm not gonna go too much into the details, but I will tell you that I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, why didn't I think of this? Because I had built my own RPC protocol for my computer game, Wyvern, right? So that the client on your phone or your PC could talk to my server on the back end and send data back and forth about the screen updates and inv- inventory and things like that. And my protocol was also fragile and brittle and Google's was like future protocol it was forward compatible. It was, it was beautiful. It was the protocol buffers are amazing, and uh, and uh, and they still are, and it's still an amazing protocol that nobody uses, uh, but but it was super efficient as well. Very 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 high performance, and so I was like, wow, boy, Amazon really screwed that one up, didn't they? And uh, you know, and the and the list went on and on and on. Google had Code Labs right? Where at Amazon, you were just on your own. You just had to ask other engineers and look at the code and try to figure out what was going on. And nobody ever wrote any comments. And at Google, they had style guides that were like 40 pages long for each programming language saying how you had to write your code uh, so that other Googlers could read it and maintain it. And, and and what that did ultimately was it made it much easier to transition between teams because there was like nothing new to learn. You, you'd go to a new team and they would be doing things exactly the same way the old team did. They'd be using the same coding conventions and the same organizational structure and the same build system and the same deployment system and same bug tracking and so really you just had to learn their their business logic and it made team transfers much easier another thing that was different i mean there were so many things that were different about google than amazon amazon it was really hard to transfer teams because they didn't have any coding conventions it was the wild west everybody could just do whatever they wanted this comes back to the whole productivity versus freedoms argument that i made in episode i don't know whatever seven and and, I, and I'll say it again in in different ways. Um, if you give people less choice, if you force them to be consistent and all do things the same way, they'll be more aligned, and you'll get more productivity out of them. And this was this was very evident to Google. They were like, you can't just go off and use some random programming language. Like you can't just use Erlang because uh, you heard about it and thought it was cool. Where at Amazon, there was like the whole catalog was in Erlang for a long time. Uh, I take partial responsibility for that because I was blogging about new programming languages at Amazon and somebody took me a little too seriously. They brought in Erlang, and I, I imagine that's probably all gone by now, but um, at Google they were like, nope, 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 you get to use C++ and Python, and we're letting you use Java because you all threatened to quit, but we don't like it, and that was it. And JavaScript, of course. So you know, Google, you know, Google's uh, whole engineering setup with the code labs and getting started and everything was just just ages miles ahead of of, of Amazon, right? The code labs were written by tech writers; they had tech writers at Google. Like, Amazon didn't have tech writer. Amazon had a tech writer. His name was Sean, and he worked for me when I was at Amazon. And Sean would get, you know, hundreds of requests for people to, you know, to to document people's APIs and frameworks and systems and stuff internally. And all he could really do was spend his time writing documents about how we needed to hire more tech writers because he was the only one. And same thing with QA. They didn't have QA at Amazon. (laughs) That's what customers are for, right? And so, you know, Google had very high-quality QA teams, you know, uh, QA engineers, uh, you know, from Microsoft, who came in and did a great job of test automation, right? Uh, so every aspect, every every you know. Um uh, every way that you could think of of how, you know, how software engineering has evolved into something you know uh, a discipline you know that's that's good Google had already done it or it was way ahead in 2005 and Amazon was way behind because Google's philosophy was to reinvent everything and and they kinda did they tried they spent a lot of time I mean another thing that was really different between Google and Amazon was their recruiting process was very very different Uh, I've talked about their promo process, which was also very different. Uh, But, I mean, just recruiting in general... you know, Amazon did have one, you know, thing that, that kind of helped keep their bar high which was called the bar raisers program And when I was at Amazon I was a bar raiser and I was in bar raisers core, so a core group of fifteen or so people who were responsible for hiring bar raisers and training bar raisers and deciding who who, who you know, who was good enough to meet interviews, you know, Amazon's interviewing standards and, and, and raise the bar and so that was cool and all but, you know, the whole the, the remaining uh, you know, process was, was um, really error prone, like teams hired for themselves at Amazon. And so there was always that, that desperation of, we got to get a butt in a seat. And so Amazon's hiring bar was lower than Google's, I mean, just straight up. Is it today? Probably not. But at the time, Amazon's hiring bar was lower. And I got into Amazon no problem, and I had a lot of trouble getting into Google. I think I've told part of that story. And uh, so I was like, you know, I was like, you know, somebody who just barely made it into Google. I, you know, you could argue that I actually was the dumbest person who ever worked for Google. And, and there's some pretty good arguments in that, in that uh, line. Uh, and whereas at Amazon, you know, I was, you know, Barraiser's core and I was on all the tech directors and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, it was just, just because Google attracted smarter people. And it's because Google made it better to work at Google than to work at Harvard. Like my first week at Google, I was sitting next to a a guy. His name was Mike. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm Steve. He's like, oh, hey, I'm Mike. I'm like, you know, are you new? He's like, yeah, you know, I just started a little while ago. And uh, boy, he was a morning person. He would get up at four in the morning to come to work. Uh, Probably he was still on New York time or whatever, East Coast, but he, he was from, uh, from, from Harvard and uh, he was a tenured professor. And, and he, just, he was like, no, nah, I quit. He told me, he says, I just, I just decided to quit and come to Google, uh, which is just unheard of, right? Nobody leaves tenure. And they told him, actually, no, you can't quit. They said uh, you're tenured. That's what tenure means. You can't quit. There will always be an office for you here, and you can always come back. And he's like, eh, well, and you know, I'm going to Google anyway, <laughs> because you know the compensation was just way better than the universities were paying, and the quality of work was way better. And Google would let him work on research, right? They had a research arm, and you know all that kind of stuff. So I mean, there was just no point in staying at Harvard. Uh, and the same thing went with universities across the you know, the nation I mean like uh, or around the world, really Google had a very, very strong, strong academic bias uh, you know Amazon had an anti academic bias okay There were a lot of people at Amazon who just like they they were offended when they, they they tried to sneak over and go to Google. A lot of Amazonians tried to sneak over and go to Google. And uh, and I knew this, right? They're like, Shh, don't tell anyone. But you know, I'd see him come through on the interview loops, right? Uh, and uh, and they couldn't make it in because they and they'd be offended. They'd be like, why are they asking me about algorithms? I don't need to know no algorithms to get my job done, you know? And if you're a software engineer and you hear you hear that, you are probably like a little bit a little bit surprised that you know an Amazon senior engineer or manager or whoever would be offended that they had to be asked about algorithms, but. Um, but, you know, Google, Google was pretty merciless when it came to, you know, weeding out people who didn't know computer science. And um, and so, you know, they, the reason that they put these amazing facilities together with all the free food and they paid top of the industry at the time. They don't anymore, but at the time they did and and had all these other perks. I mean, you, you know, you, you compare anything like Amazon had, you know, health care. But it wasn't very good, and you know, it was hard sometimes to find a doctor that was in network, and it was sometimes hard to get your prescriptions filled, and it was just like not not great. It was like middle of the road health insurance uh, because you work for Jeff Bezos, and so you're not supposed to get sick. Uh, whereas, uh, at Google, you know, people would tell us, oh my God, your benefits are as good as Microsoft's and Microsoft was the gold standard. Cause remember Microsoft for a long time had been rolling in money too. And they, Microsoft also treated their employees pretty well. I mean, not, not as well as Google, Google raised the bar, but Microsoft was fancy. People got their own offices and their facilities were really fancy, not fancy like Google though. Microsofts were kind of arrogant fancy. They looked like a law firm, right? You go into Microsoft, it looked like a bank. It looked like somebody who was trying to show off. Why do banks show up? Why are banks so fancy? They don't have to be, right? It's because when you walk into a bank that has you know, huge marble pillars and, and, and 40-foot ceilings and, and, and looks like you know, you've walked into the Sistine Chapel, you go, wow, this bank, my money's probably safe with this bank. That's, they've, you know, that's what banks have found. They've done studies and they've shown that the fancier the bank looks, the more money people will dump into that bank. And so Microsoft looked like a bank it wasn't it wasn't charming it didn't have any charm and google was very charming right google was all about i mean like you know there were you know, five thousand dollar massage chairs at the end of like every hallway. It was crazy. You know, those, 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 those Some of the, sometimes the instructions were in Japanese, and you just press random buttons, and it would just start vibrating some random part of your body. I and mean, you're like, ah, uh, you know. And and just like Google, Google, you know, had had charming, uh, you know, de- decor. You know, and they would they would get get people in to to paint, you know, murals and stuff. You know, and it was just all fun, right? Google exuded fun. Whereas Microsoft exuded wealth. You see the difference? But still, Microsoft was was pretty fancy. And so, you know, the Microsoft people would come over and 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 the benefits were just as good as Microsoft's at Google. Uh, and and Google, I mean Google's benefits were were actually better. I mean, Google's life insurance policy was like, if you die while you're at Google, then, you know, you're you're you know, you're your family will get uh, like something like five times your annual salary for the next ten years, or something like that. It was just like what? Maybe it was three times, but it was it was significant payout, you know. Uh, if you're unfortunate enough to pass away at Google, which uh, unfortunately some of my friends friends did, and it was very sad. Uh, you know, Google. Uh, I mean, we what else? You know, Google Google had uh, a very, very strict code review process, right? Where, uh, you know, oh, we're at time here. So I guess, look, I could talk about this for another two hours. You know, but Google, Google, at Google, a code review from another person is expected to find problems with your code. They're like, uh, and I have a buddy uh, who's super smart and super intimidating. And uh, he just commented that he's been watching my show and now I'm all intimidated because you get imposter syndrome at Google because everyone's so smart there, right? Uh, you know, if somebody reviews your code, and they don't just go, yeah, it looks good. It's not a rubber stamp, right? They go in and they go, have you considered this edge case? Have you thought about doing it that way? Why don't you put a to-do in here? Why don't you make this change and send it back to me, right? Code reviewing was like a big deal at Google, not at Amazon, right? It was just launch stuff. So I'm really out of time, sir. So I just, I just want to like, I want to, <laughs> I talked more than I thought I would about, uh, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of differences. I, I've, I've touched on a bunch, but one advantage that it had for google is that it it brought people in the door who just had no business being there i mean like microsoft was getting brain drained to death so many people left microsoft who were really really famous inside of microsoft and they just left to go to google and and basically start the careers over again and they didn't care because they were just like this is better okay So, so you know, that was a huge advantage for Google. They got the smartest people in the world there. And I'm talking about people who are so smart. I'll, I've got stories about it, right? I'll tell you stories about, about how intimidating and how brilliant the people are that work at Google, especially the, the ones on top. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the stuff of, of myth and legend. Uh, and, and so we'll tell those funny stories at some point. So why does Amazon execute better? <laughs> After all that, Right. Google is unquestionably like much, much better place to work than Amazon is, even with politics and even if you get under a bad manager and even if things are going south, which often happens at Google because they're big now. They put in a lot of safeguards to try to keep the badness out. And I can talk about that in, in a follow up episode. But but they, they kept it out for a long time. But at some point, you get enough people and you're going to get a bunch of bad apples. Right. But even then, it's better to work at Google than it is at Amazon. And you'll get you'll get paid more, too. Uh, you know, so, but is is it, is it, is it necessary, right? That's, that's the real, the, the kicker. Google has infrastructure. I wish I, I'm going to have to do this as another episode. Like next week, I'll talk about Google's infrastructure because all the data that you're processing at your company, if you think of it as a bathtub spigot the data, right? They're Niagara Falls. Okay. They're 10 Niagara Falls compared to your bathtub spigot of your petabyte of data or however much your company has, three petabytes, some stupid little tiny USB thumb drive worth of data compared to Google's. Their infrastructure is frighteningly good and, and their, their computing power and everything is just it's over the top. And everything that they've done is like, you know, five nines of availability up to, in some cases, seven nines of availability uh... and and you know which means it goes down for you know five minutes a year or less thirty seconds every ten years for one of their services and uh... and so you know uh... uh, uh, you can certainly build things to scale at google and we've seen that look at google docs it's just eating you know google g suite is eating offices lunch because google is just so much better at scaling than microsoft or apple or almost anybody else facebook has a lot of ex-googlers and facebook is also good at scale but Facebook is different, right? Facebook is chaos. Fa- Facebook is not, uh, you know, as organized as Google, and they're not sticklers like Google in a lot of ways. And, 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 and they even have signs on the wall that say, don't be googly <laughs> at Facebook. And, and, and yet Facebook is super successful, and Amazon doesn't have any of that stuff that Google had. And Amazon's also super successful with all their people who don't know about algorithms And uh, and so you kind of look at it, you say, you know, it's really cool that Google did that. And being an engineer at Google is kind of heavenly, except when they're making you work 100 hours a week uh, in some places. But, you know, it's it's pretty darn cool. Uh, So so why is it, you know, that Amazon's doing better? And did Amazon really need that? So uh, I'm way over time. It's probably a topic for another discussion. But, you know, what I learned was that you can get by on chaos. You can get by without unit tests. Uh, you know, you can get by, there was some book about Microsoft written about them in the nineties. I forget the title, but it had something like barbarians in it. It was just chaos and barbarians. And they would just, just muscle their way to a solution and not do it right. Like Google, I mean, Google did things the way NASA would do things, right? I mean, we're there. it's like, we're going to go to the moon. So we got to get this right. And Amazon would just be like, get it done. Launch it now, now, now. And you're like, whatever. You just, you just like, you know, you just throw it over the wall and hope it worked, and it probably didn't, and then you'd give the customers some gift certificates, and then you'd get it working over time. And then, right, it was all just spit and and, and bailing wire. It was all duct tape at Amazon, and kind of still is. Even in their cloud, I could see the teams kind of struggling with the the tech debt that they've had, but they just make it work through, you know, just just willpower. So do you really need to do it the Google way? You know, uh, I don't know, right? I don't know. You're going to get some really smart people if you do it the Google way. Uh, but you know, we've also seen that, you know, smart people can do dumb things. So, uh, anyway, it looks like this is going to be a longer topic. I hope that this was a good introduction to how Google does everything right. And Amazon does everything wrong when Amazon is still executing better than Google, uh, you know, different contexts, basically like my wife put it, Google does everything right for their employees and Amazon does everything right for their customers. All right, folks. Well, uh, that's it's been a fun episode. Thank you for asking all for asking this question. It was a, a fun topic, and uh, and we will see you next time for Steve's Tech Talk.